Amen. Everybody has your Bible open with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You're going to find down in the 33rd and 34th verse tucked away in a discussion or a dissertation by the Apostle Paul on those who did not believe in the resurrection and people that were being baptized for the dead and all of that was going on in the early church. The Corinthians were dealing with a lot of issues, not just sin issues, but things that were trying to undermine their faith. Paul makes a statement in verse number 33, 34, that's just profound. And it reads like this. If you have it, say amen if you don't look up on the wall. He said, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Sounds pretty good. But he goes on in verse number 34 to say, awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to their shame. Now let me read that to you from the Amplified Bible. All right? He said, Do not be so deceived and misled. Evil companionship, communion, associations, connections, corrupt. Evil companions, corrupt associations they deprave good manners and morals and character but he said awake from your drunken stupor and return to be sober to to sober sense and your right minds and sin no more for some of you have not the knowledge of God you are utterly and willfully and disgracefully ignorant And continue to be so, lacking the sense of God's presence and all true knowledge of Him. I say this to your shame. Wow. Let me read that 33rd verse again. Be not deceived. Do not be misled. Evil companionship. Evil fellowship. Evil associations, communion, corrupt, violate, poison. The word corrupt in the Greek means poison. It's toxic. Stay away from it. Amen. We're going to try, I'm going to try tonight to close our study. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it or not. But if so, we'll just put an asterisk beside it and have the option to come back later. I want to talk to you tonight about toxic connections. Say that with me. Toxic connections. Everybody said amen. Turn and high five somebody and tell them they can be seated. Amen. We have discussed over the last few weeks issues that can poison our life spiritually that affect us and that affect not only 
our quantity of life, but our quality of life. Last week, my brother did such a marvelous job talking about toxic emotions and how destructive they are to us. The week before, I had talked to you about uh, uh, toxic mind, the thinking, the processes that go on in our mind. And then we had talked about the great toxin that all of us have to be conscious of and that sin. And I still want to reiterate to you tonight that uh, it's not that we sin, it's that we never change our definition of what sin is. Amen. Somebody said amen to that. We must never take a different view of things than what God's Word declares, no matter what our culture says, no matter what our world declares. I like the way the message translation translates Romans 12 and 2, and this is what he said. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Amen. So no matter what our culture says, we have to make sure that we define our lives by this good book right here in everything that we do. Mark wrote, words that Jesus had spoken and he said that this was his uh, record of what Jesus said is that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I thought about that this afternoon and I thought that how closely that Commandment parallels what we've been looking at. The heart speaks of the emotions. The soul speaks of the possibility of sin. The mind of our thinking and the strength is what we are associated with. What either builds us up or tears us down. And so tonight I want to I talk to you about the strengths and the weaknesses of all of our lives. I want to talk to you about toxic connections. Now, the word connection, I, I, by that I mean the influences, the associations, the company, the people, the friends, the links, the networks, the relationships, the contacts of my life. Those are the connections that I'm, I'm talking about. And Paul called them evil communication or evil company or bad company or toxic connections, if you could think of it in that term. And you and I have to understand, and I think we mostly do, is that we become what we fellowship. 
Amen. We become what we fellowship. And whether that be a person or whether that be what we read or what we see with our eyes or we hear with our ears, those influences on our life are either going to build us up or they are going to tear us down. And Paul said that bad company produces bad manners. Now, your company doesn't have to be a person per se. It could be what you read or what you occupy yourself with, your your habits and Perhaps even the, the, the pleasures of life that you might enjoy. Those influences, he said, you have to be careful of. Because bad influences produce bad results. Amen. There are three areas that I hope I can get to tonight that I, I want to talk to you about. And they are toxic people. Toxic Words and toxic influences. Amen. Let's talk about toxic people to begin with. Now, you and I live in a world where we interact with people all the time. And there is no way that any one of us can withdraw ourselves in some cloistered life and never have contact with people and, and never make friends or never have influences in our life, it is necessary. We are people and we need other people. People are part and parcel of our life. And this verse is not an excuse for me to become a hermit or to withdraw myself as some people would imagine so that I, I don't come in contact with anybody that I, I can live a holy life. We, we, we cannot live that way. That's not what the verse is speaking of. But just because I come in contact with people does not mean I have to be contaminated by them. And this is what I've learned about life. There are bad people in life. Anybody found that out yet? You don't have to have a dictionary to describe or define bad. You can just... You just get the vibe. They, their thoughts, their actions, their vocabulary, everything about them is repulsive to you. But those are not the people that I really am most concerned about for you and I. I have discovered this about life. There are some good people in life that are bad for me. Because they have a weakness that coincides with my weakness. And when you get those two weaknesses together, it just makes weakness worse. So it's not just about staying away from sinners. Sometimes there are good people in life that are just not good for me to be around. Because they do not bring out the best in me. And so toxic people are... All around us. And we have to discern. Is this helping me or is this hurting me? Am, am I becoming more like him? Am I is my relationship with this person or with these people. Is it drawing me closer to God? Or is it somehow pushing me further away from him? 
And this is very difficult to to always see because Paul, in writing this verse, said that we are not to be deceived. Now, deception is something that happens slowly, gradually. It doesn't happen in one fell swoop. You don't just come in one day and tell somebody a lie and they believe that lie. What you do is you come in and you take a truth and you begin to unravel it one thread at a time. One thing at a time. You begin to undermine. That's what Satan did in the beginning with Eve. He took what God had said and he began to dissect it and massage it and rearrange it and finally question it. But it didn't begin with a question. It it really uh, it began with a truth that that uh, they all knew to be fact, and so toxic people don't have to ruin your life if you don't let them. But they are there, and Paul said there is an influence that comes into our life that is so subtle we don't even realize that it's going on that's why you have to be careful that you are not being deceived that you are not being gradually brought into something and it do its work on you it's a simple truth that we will resemble or we will let me try to think of it properly those that we assemble with we will soon resemble Amen. So I have to learn how to identify toxic people. Now, toxic people are not always easy to figure out. So this is what I've learned to do. And I will have to confess to you tonight what I'm trying to talk to you about and preach and teach to you. I'm, I'm having to learn how to relive myself. But... Toxic people, you have to pay attention to the sounds that you hear when you're around them. Because toxic people tend to be people who complain more than they compliment. They find more wrong than they find right. They whine more than they worship. They're more critical than they are complimentary. And I have learned that there are people like that in my life that I just need to stay away from. That doesn't mean that I can't love them from a distance, but I'm not going to fellowship with that. Because if I do, it's not long until I begin to take on the traits and the characteristics of that same spirit. Next thing I know... Out of my mouth is coming more complaints than compliments. And out of my mouth is coming more whining than worship. Am I telling you the truth tonight? And so you need to listen to what they're saying. Not only listen to what they're saying, but listen to how they talk. Mean, cutting, degrading. Those are things that you need to let become a warning to your spiritual man that, you know what, this is not a healthy place to be. This, is, this, this could be toxic for me. 
pay attention to their attitude. Amen. Somebody say attitude. If it's negative and angry and always sad and they're, they're more morose than they are happy, you, you need to find new fellowship. Amen. Now, if you're married to that, I'm not telling you to dismiss them. I'm telling you you probably need to get some counseling. So don't take anything I'm saying tonight as excuse for you to go home and write up papers and say, I'm not going to live with you anymore. All right? But learn to identify toxic people. It's not worth the price that you have to pay to let those kind of people stay in your life. Amen. I was reminded of this just a few days ago when I was dealing with a situation that really aggravated me. And my first reaction, my first thought was, I'm going to set that person straight. And so I, I was venting my thoughts to a friend of mine and he stopped me and got real quiet for a little while and he said, well, you know what, Brother Hughes? You probably could whoop a skunk if you wanted to, but it wouldn't be worth the price that you'd pay to do it. <clears throat> oh, Jesus. Conviction just... I just got real quiet and I said, you know what? I needed to hear that. Because there's a price that we pay sometimes for getting our ounce of flesh that's not worth the ounce that we get. So it's not worth it. One of the lessons that Dale Carnegie said he learned early on in life is that there's some things that cost more than they're worth. When he was just a young boy... He had, they were very poor people and they lived in very uh, difficult things so money was hard to come by and he had saved money and saved money and he, one day he had gone to the store with his sister and he, while he was there he saw in the case this, this neat whistle and he fell in love with this whistle and so he decided I'm going to buy that whistle. So he went home and he got his piggy bank out and he emptied it and he went back up and he laid all that money on the counter and he said, I want to buy that whistle. And the storekeeper took advantage of a little boy and took everything he had off the counter and gave him the whistle. He was so happy. He didn't know any better. He comes dancing out of that store, just blowing the whistle and carrying on, having a good time. All the way home, he was just happy as he could be over what he had purchased. And when he got home, he came running into the house and he told his sister what he had done. And he, he, she said, well, what did you pay for it? And when he told her what he paid for it, she fell down on the floor laughing at him because he had paid that much for a whistle. And he said, that was my first important lesson in life is that sometimes you pay too much for stuff and so it is with toxic people you might be able to have a laugh every now and then but is it worth the other stuff that comes with it there's collateral damage that's something that i learned a long time ago about life is that you can you can get back at people 
But sometimes the collateral damage that you cause is more severe than what you're going to get out of it. Every time they drop a bomb overseas, that place that they dropped it is annihilated, but so is a whole lot of other stuff, good stuff. Innocent people sometimes die while they're trying to take out some bad guy. And so it is in life that things can be such that we get in our mind, we've got to do this, we've got to say that, or we've got to get our ounce, or we've got to have that connection or that friendship, or we've got to, we can't live without those people. When the truth is, the collateral damage that that relationship brings to life is not worth what we have to pay for. So he said, be not deceived. It's an area that all of us are vulnerable in. There's none of us that are void of what I'm talking about tonight. But corruption is a gradual process. And the injurious effect of what takes place does not take place suddenly. So here's what you have to think about when it comes to people in your life. When you are having to argue with yourself to justify that relationship, that's a good indication you might need to step back and re-examine that company. If you're having to argue with your own mind, if your own mind is telling you, man, that's not, I don't feel right. But you're arguing with it because you just like, they just make you laugh, they make you feel good. That's a dangerous place to be. Number two, he said bad company ruins good habits. Bad company ruins good morals. So here's my question. Hanging out with that person, are you having to compromise your values in order to do that? Do you have to to step back and change the way you look at life because of the influence that that person is having on you? Or is it causing you to reevaluate what you already know to be true? If that's the case, then that's what Paul was talking about. You need to get away from that kind of person. You need to stay away from that kind of atmosphere because... It's toxic. It will hurt you, not help you. Number three, does their presence in your life weaken you or strengthen you? Does it make you stronger in faith when you leave their company? Do you feel up and encouraged or do you leave there feeling other things, thinking other things? Amen. The fourth thing is... That you have to be careful of conversations, however pleasing they might sound, that violate spiritual principles. I don't care how logical and how reasonable people can make it seem. You must never allow your mind to be drawn into such a place that you violate spiritual principles. Whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are 
pure, whatsoever thing. You know what the scripture says in Philippians? Those are the things that you should be moving towards. So don't allow someone with their smooth tongue to tell you, well, that doesn't matter. That's an old-fashioned thing. That, that's, that's legalism. I was reading today a man who was blasting away at legalism and taking a backhanded shot at anybody that, that believed in, in holiness and, and, and living a holy life. And yet at the same time, in the previous chapter, he was talking about rules and rituals and, and regulations. And he, you, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You cannot live life, a, a good godly life, or you can't live a healthy life without some kind of regulation or rule. Even McDonald's has rules. They make their people dress. I don't care whether they like the costume or not. If you're going to work for McDonald's, you're going to wear the dress. And I don't mean dress as in a woman's dress. I mean the apparel. Everything in life has rules about it. It's the rule that makes the game worth playing. I mean, the reason that people spend thousands and are going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars this weekend to sit and watch a football game is because there are some rules. There's some boundaries to that thing. They can't just run anywhere they want to run. They can't go hide in the bleachers and say, throw me a pass. There's a time limit. There's referees that say, you can't do that. You can't act like that. You can't hold. You can't trip. Now, we're okay with that. We think that's great. It wouldn't be a game if, if there were just a 100 innings. There's nine innings. That's what makes baseball an interesting sport to some people is because there is a limitation. They can't just keep going up. Well, I want one more bat. It's not right. I need one more chance. There's nine innings and you get it. That's it. There's nothing about any of our lives that works without rules. What, can you imagine what it would have been like for you driving to church tonight if there were no red lights? No stop signs? I can tell you, living in Houston, we'd, have, we'd all be dead by now. Because even with red lights and stop signs, there's still some morons around here that don't care. They, they think that applies to everybody but them. But the reason our country is safe is because we have some rules. We have some guidelines. Now, if we understand that in the natural life, why is it so hard for us to understand that God also has some rules. They're, they're not the ten suggestions. They're the ten commandments. Now, the ten commandments were, wasn't God's idea of making your life miserable. The ten commandments were actually ten commitments that God made to us that if you will observe these principles, I'll bless your life. If you'll do these things, I will increase your life. If you'll obey this, I will lift you up. Amen. Praise God. I'm talking about toxic people right now. Toxic people. Some people, and they may be good people, but they're just not good for me. Now, 
I, well, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. I better not go there. Somebody say toxic people. Now, I want you to look at verse number 34 with me one more time. Because I think Paul, I, I never, I've read this verse, I don't know how many times, but it never dawned on me that Paul gave the Corinthian church and to you and I five very simple things to consider when it comes to bad company, whether it's a book, whether it is a person, whether it is music, or whether it's a movie or an entertainment. He gave five simple things to let them be the guide by which you govern what you do and allow in your life. And he starts, number one, by saying simply, Think straight. That's the literal interpretation. He said, think straight. So my point is that we have always got to stay connected to what is true and right. We've got to stay connected to what is, what, what is trustworthy. Don't ever lose your sensibility by becoming so familiar with something that you learn how to justify it. Amen. Is that me? Forgive me, folks. I don't know what's going on, but I've just got so much power in me right now. Some of you are wishing it would go away, probably. When we lose our horror of things... Because we have become so, so uh, familiar with them. They, they've lost their shock value. I was reading a young man, actually a pastor of a denominal church. Uh, some of his staff members come in one day and they, they recommended a movie to him. And they said, oh, this is the funniest movie you've ever seen in your life. He thought, well, I'm, I like funny movies, so... He went home and decided he was going to rent it or buy it. And then he thought, you know what, I, I, I better make one more check. So he got on the computer and there was a, there's a website evidently that critiques movies. And when he got to the website and he typed in the name of that, he was totally flabbergasted. Totally flabbergasted. Because it lists the number of times in that movie that violent curse words were used. I don't mean just the normal ones that we are used to hearing, but violent curse words, vulgar curse words. Ninety-something times one particular phrase was used over and again. Pete, the referral to the human anatomy, everything. He said, I, I was reading it, and, and he said, the more that I read, the more shocked I became. And then it talks about how many sexual innuendos and how many sexual scenes that were in there that, that would... And, and then he begins to think, this is my church staff that's watching this. So he goes back to the office the next morning and he asked him, he said, did you know how many times that one bomb was used in this, in this movie? They said... Uh, no, we really didn't 
I didn't pay attention to that. How can you miss 96 bombs? How? I'll tell you how you can. When you keep hearing it enough that it loses its edge and it loses its evil or wickedness and we, we, it happens to the best of us. We hear things and we hear things until we slowly become desensitized to what it really is. And so we wind up entertaining ourselves with evil. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Don't ever tinker with what's right. Don't ever let your mind go down that road of thinking that you're smart enough that you can outwit God. And there, you know what blows me away is the arrogance sometimes of humanity, the smugness, when they know in their life there's wrong, but they find a way to paint it a different color and call it something else. You can call it anything you want to call it. If it's a pig, it's going to still be a pig. And it's going to go back to the same wallow if you let it. That it came out of. So my point is. Don't excuse your behavior. When you are involved in relationship with people. Don't ever allow that relationship to dull your sensitivity to what is true and what's right. Number two. He said awaken to the holiness of life. One translation said, stop sinning. And by that, he didn't mean going out and doing something vulgar about, but he meant simply by not respecting the life that God put in you, that you and I are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are his tabernacle. Amen. Number three, he said, don't play loose with facts. Because that saps the principle of life out of you. Facts. You know, well, I'm not sure it really meant that. I don't know if that's exactly what God said. I don't know if that's how he meant for that to be interpreted. When I have to start arguing with that, it's a good indication I need to get away from that. Number four. He said ignorance is not bliss. That's what... He, he, he indicated that you're ignorant. You're willfully ignorant, but ignorance is not bliss. What you don't know will hurt you. Oh, no, brother, you don't believe that. What I don't know won't hurt me. Okay? I'll go ahead and plan your funeral. Get ready to put you under because what we don't know will hurt us. It'll kill us. Amen. Good friend of mine is going through treatment for leukemia. He was telling me a while back that the pills that he gets for the treatment have a toxic label on them because they're actually radioactive. And in the in the material that he has to read before he could take the medication, there were certain things that they said you can never do. Don't take this pill if it's been crushed because there's something about it when it's in a broken form, 
it does not react to the body the way it needs to be. And especially if you're a pregnant woman, do not come in contact with that broken pill because what is in there can actually rearrange the DNA of the baby that's in the womb. And sometimes in life there are people that are like that. They can destroy what's pregnant of promise in you, what God has birthed in you. When you hang out with the wrong people, it, it will destroy that promise that God put in you. That's why you need to be careful who you hang out with. Not because you're better than anybody else, but because I'm trying to get to where God wants me to be. And there's just some things I, don't, I can't handle. Now, maybe you can. Maybe... Maybe living around those kind of people doesn't bother you. But you know what? Most often people that say that are lying to themselves. Either that or they just become so desensitized to right and wrong that they've lost their ability to feel shame. And that's the last one. He said, don't ever lose the shame factor. Don't, don't ever. And I've, I've been praying for God to help resurrect that. Not in you only, but in me. I, I don't want to get to the place in my life where I don't know how to blush. Where things can happen and every day that I don't feel there's not something in me that, that checks me and says that's unclean, that's impure, that's not right. I don't ever want to get to the place that I can read through the paper and read of stuff and see things and it never affect me the way it ought to affect me. I want to have a sense of shame in my life. Now the world considers that to be a detriment that you are harming yourself. No ma'am, no sir, you're not. You're helping yourself by cultivating that sense of shame. Understanding that there are some things that are clean and some things that are unclean and staying away from the unclean so that you can stay connected to what is clean. Amen. Everybody say toxic people. You've got to do it. Stay connected to what's right. Stay awake to holiness, the holiness of life, the, 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 the fact of what God made you. Don't let life degrade you. Amen. Amen. Awaken to holiness. Don't play loose with the facts. Ignorance is not bliss. And recover the shame factor in your life. That is one way that will help you discern toxic company. Whether it's a person or a book or a movie or an entertainment or whatever else that you could think of that would fit into that. It's a good judgment to make in your life. Now I want to talk to you about toxic words. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing better on my time than what I thought. Everybody say words. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words. Say it. Words will what? Never hurt me. Oh, that's a lie. Words are so powerful that if they're not used properly, they can become toxic. Not just what is spoken to me, but what I speak to others and what I speak to myself. And when I, I, I got so overwhelmed when I got into my study of this that I almost got lost. But I, I, I failed to understand 
just how powerful words are until I went back to the Word of God. And I want you to listen. I'm going to go through real quickly about a hundred scriptures. All right? Not quite, but close to it. But this is what the Word, words have power. Proverbs 18 and 4 says words are like deep water. Proverbs 10, 20 said the words of the just are as choice silver. Proverbs 16, 24 said pleasant words are as a honeycomb. Psalms 19, 14 said let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto thee, O God. Proverbs 13 and 3 says he that keeps his mouth keeps his life. Proverbs 21-23 said, He that keeps his mouth keeps his soul from trouble. He that keeps his tongue keeps his soul from trouble. Proverbs 12-18 says that it can be health to my life. The words that I speak can be, can be health to my life. Proverbs also said that Death and life are what? In the power of the tongue. Proverbs 15 and 4 says that a wholesome mouth is a tree of life. But I want you to listen to what the Bible also says about your mouth and about your words and about your tongue. Job said... In Job 6.25, that words are forceful, that they have power behind them. He said in 8 and 2 that they're like a strong wind. In, in, in Job 19 and 2, he said those words that you speak can actually break in pieces. In Job 21.34, he said our words can be empty. They can have no substance or meaning. They can be void of purpose. In Job 38 and 2, he says that words can actually darken counsel, which means I don't care if they came into your presence upbeat and positive, that when they leave your presence, if you're not careful about what you say, your very words can turn their mind in the wrong direction. They darken counsel. That's scary. I had to stop when I read that and ask the Lord, when people are around me, what do they hear, first of all? What's coming out of my mouth? And what kind of influence am I being over their life? The psalmist spoke of the tongue in the mouth like this. He said in Psalm 36, 3, he said words, uh, he said, words can be wicked and deceitful. In Psalm 52 and 4, he said words can be devouring. They can literally just completely suck the life out of you and burn up everything like a field on fire. They can do the very same thing. In Psalms 107 and 11, he said words can be hateful. And hateful words are always hurtful words. And you know what I've learned? Hurt people hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. Proverbs, the wise men said this. He said in Proverbs 6 and 2 and 18 and 7 that our words are like a snare. They're like a trap. He said in Proverbs 9 and 6 that words can be foolish. In Proverbs 11, 9 that they can destroy. 
in Proverbs 18 and 8. They can wound in Proverbs 26 and 28. They can crush and ruin. You say, Brother Hughes, that's all Old Testament. Let me give you some New Testament. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2, 16 and 18 that words can eat like a canker. And he names two guys that their words actually work like a cancer and spread and influenced and hurt a lot of innocent people. In Hebrews 13 and 15, he said something about bitterness. Anybody know that scripture? That we're not to let a root of bitterness grow up in us? Do you ever read the whole verse? Can you throw up Hebrews 13, 15? I think we need to read the whole verse. Because it's not just about a bitter root. It's about what that bitter root does. And this is what he said. By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks. Is that not the right one? I didn't give you the right one. Go to the next one. Is that... That's not it either. Let me go, my, let me go to Hebrews. I'll, I'll pull it up in my own Bible. I'm not, I wrote the wrong verse down. Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 12. I'm sorry, it's chapter 12, not chapter 13. Chapter 12 and verse number 15. He said, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. And, everybody say and, and therefore or thereby many be defiled. So bitterness doesn't just hurt you, it hurts people around you. Amen. And bitterness most often comes out through our words. What we say, how we speak. I think it was Nelson Mandela who said that bitterness and and resentment is poison that a person drinks hoping to kill somebody else. (laughs) Yeah. Bitterness. And he said it's not going to hurt just you. It hurts the good people around you that love you. I, I, I need to hurry on. But just as words can be used to hurt, maim, wound, cripple, destroy, words can be used in the opposite direction. They're just as powerful to give life. They can speak death. They can speak life. I had to stop when I read that verse again today and ask myself again, are my words producing death? Or are they producing life? Am I encouraging somebody? Am I helping somebody? Am I lifting somebody? Or do I take their life out of them when they get around me? Do I suck the hope out of them when they hear me? Man. Job 4 and 4, the scripture says that they that men were upheld by his words. You and I have the ability to tear people down. We also have the ability to lift them up. And personally, I want my words to be words that uphold people, not pull people down. It would be better for me that 
I cut my tongue out and not be able to use it again, then the only time I ever use it is to say something that hurts. He said, if your eye offends you, what? Wash it out? Flush it out? Pluck it out? Isn't that kind of radical? If your hand offends you, ignore it. Put it behind your back. Put it in your pocket. Paint it a different color. Cut it off. You're you're saying, that's awful radical. That's The point is, there are some things in life that are so toxic and they are so destructive that the only way to deal with it is to cut it out. When you've got cancer in your body, you don't want a surgeon putting a Band-Aid over it. You want him to cut it out, all of it. I don't want you just to go in and dissect and take a little bit out because it might hurt me. Take it all out however much it hurts me because I don't want to die. I want to live. Amen. Choose your words. Proverbs 31, 26 says, Let there be the law of kindness upon your tongue. The law of kindness. I'm, I'm just having to confess tonight. That's not always what's on my tongue. But I I made a commitment to God at the beginning of this year that I was going to sing a new song for the new year. And I will have to confess, some of those old lines keep coming back to me. But I'm trying to put them out of, I really do want to sing a new song. I want a fresh attitude. I don't want, I don't care what's happened. I don't care people that have mistreated me or been bad to me or said things about me. I don't want to live my life based on that. I want to live my life based on what God says about me. And I want to build my life around what He says I can become. Amen. So I want there to be the law of kindness on my tongue, and I'm working on that. I'm not, I've not conquered that yet, but I'm trying to work on it. And my wife probably needs to help me even more work on it. Because she knows me better than anybody. Proverbs 13.3 says that we should be a counselor of peace. I want to just ask you a question. When you come into a room, does it explode or does it calm down? Does it get worse or does it get better? Are you like gasoline to the fire? Or are you like a fire suppressant to put it out? Is there something... The Bible speaks about not being a peacekeeper, but a peacemaker. Some people, are they struggle all their life trying to keep the peace. Why don't you try making peace? And we make peace by what we speak and say and what we, how we respond to the circumstances of life. And Paul said, bad company, bad influences, a bad tongue is going to corrupt a good character. Amen. That's why we need to pay attention to our words. Job 9 and 14, I'm I'm coming to a close. Job 9 and 14 says that we should choose correct words. Now, I want you to listen to me right now. Just because you think it doesn't mean you have to say it. Can I, you want me to say that? 
Just because you think it doesn't mean you need to say it. There are times that I just need to bite my tongue. There's times that I need to choose those words because there's a lot of them out there. Somebody said we, we think about 50,000 thoughts a day. I don't know that we talk to ourselves about that much time too. Sometimes I think I talk more than 50,000 times a day. But the point is that I have to choose my words carefully because the power of death and life are in my words. How you say what you say is as important as what you say. Everybody say how I say it. How I say it. Is just important as what I say. And listen, hear me today. Timing is everything in life. There are some times that people are ready and receptive for your criticism or your critique or your honest. I'm just being honest. But there's times that that spirit is so fragile that to say it then would crush them. It would kill them. And we have to have enough spiritual discernment and control over our mouth that when we have the opportunity, we say a word in season. It's like pictures of gold, apples of gold and pictures of silver. A word fitly spoken. That means a word at the right time, at the right place. Timing. Everybody say timing. You have to be wise enough to understand that sometimes in life you have to step back a moment before you say anything. The second thing is Proverbs 17, 27 says, He who has knowledge spares his words. He spares his words. He doesn't just say everything that comes to mind. It's like, it's like the couple is home one night. Wife come in. She was trying to get ready for bed. She was looking in the mirror and she just got real sad counts. And she said, honey, I just don't, I'm, I'm just getting old. She said, said my, I got bags under my eyes and I got love handles and just she just named a whole litany of things that were wrong with her. She said, "Could you could you just give me a little word of encouragement?" He said, "Well, your eyesight's still good." And I am meddling tonight. I have to have knowledge enough, understanding, wisdom enough to spare my words. Man. Just because you have them doesn't mean you have to use them. Some things I have learned in life are better left unsaid. Oh, God, help me understand that. 
Proverbs 12, or Proverbs 11, 11. Put that up on the screen if you don't mind. This proverb got a hold of me, and I, it is, it is so amazingly critical. I feel like I need to close with it. Proverbs 11, 11. He said, by the blessing of the upright, by the words that are spoken by the upright, by the tongue that is used of the upright, the city is exalted. But it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Goodness gracious. That's the power that resides between the muscles and the teeth. (laughs) Or the jaws and the teeth. That muscle there, that's the power that's in that. It will exalt or it will tear down. Proverbs 18, 20, and 21. This is what it says in the Amplified. A man's moral self shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth. Listen to this. A man's self, who he is as a person, shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth and with the consequences of his words. He must be satisfied whether it's good or evil. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it, either way, shall eat the fruit of their own life or death. (laughs) The power that is going on inside of us. So what I say matters. And we harvest what we speak. If you want a blessing, help me tonight. Start speaking a blessing. If you want to be loved, start speaking love. If you want to be happy, start speaking happiness. Don't excuse yourself by saying, well, I was just venting. Hallelujah. The potency of godly words can revive and heal and change and help. They can create or destroy. They can help or hurt. They can soothe or they can sadden. They can fill the heart with faith or they can fill it with fear. Amen. We're going to become what we say. Now here's the question you need to ask yourself when things are spoken to you. Is it truth or is it trash? Now, if it's truth, you need to accept it and embrace it and understand you need to do something to correct it. If it's trash, that's why Job said in 12.11 that you should taste the words. Just like food. Put it in your mouth. What's that taste like? Trash. Spit it out. If you learn to discriminate with your taste, you'll learn that 
Taco Bell is not the best Mexican food in Houston. I hope I didn't offend you. But if that's your estimation of good Mexican food, come with me tonight. I'll take you somewhere where your taste buds can be awakened and lightened. Amen. So taste to see. Is this trash? If it is, take the trash out. Spit it out. Don't accept it. And when it is truth, embrace it and accept it, even though it may be painful. Learn from it and grow from it. Amen. I'm not going to get to the last one. (laughs) I don't think I can preach any more than this. Y'all stand with me right now. I was going to talk to you about toxic influences, but I don't think I could do that right now. Some of you look like you're a little shell-shocked. I love what Proverbs said, 1623, and I'm going to close with this. He said, the wise teach their mouth. The wise teach their mouth. That indicates to me that the mouth does not always say the right thing or do the right thing. But if you will, you can teach your mouth to say the right things. You can teach your mouth to speak the right things. You say, but they deserve it. Well, let's talk about deserving. Do you really deserve God's mercy? Has God extended you mercy? So let's quit talking about they don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. And here's what I've learned in life. The people that deserve it the least are the ones that need it the most. And I've never gone wrong. I've never been hurt by being merciful to someone. Never. I've never been taken down. Being merciful has always lifted my life to another dimension. Somebody say toxic connections. People, words, influences. What we behold, what we watch, what we read, what we listen to, all of those things are very important. The psalmist said, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. That's a principle that we all still need to abide by. Amen. God help us. We need a cleansing. I'm praying that something's happening to you. It is to me. I'm... Every, every night that I have spoken to you, I'm not, I'm not speaking out of my own perfection. I'm speaking out of my own humanity of what I know that we need to do, what I need to do. Amen. I want a cleansing. I want my soul to be washed. There's times in life that I wish I could just go back and unlearn a lot of stuff. I wish I didn't know some of the stuff that I knew. Amen. But I can't. But what I can do is come back to this word over and over again and let this word wash me. Amen. Wash me. Cleanse me. Purge me. And I may have a battle with it tomorrow, but I want to come back to the word. Let it do it again. And I want to let it keep washing me and purging me until it brings me to that place where God wants me to be and I become 
that man that God designed me to be. Amen. Praise God. Would you just lift your voice and let's pray right now. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your mercies tonight, your grace, your goodness.